Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You are listening to Flop Culture, a podcast all about our favourite and least favourite flops. I'm Fanula. I hope you're well. I hope you really enjoyed last week's episode with Claude Amini all about the society, RIP, gone but never forgotten. Someone bring it back, please. I need to know what happens. There has been, oh my God, the world has been nuts, okay? So we need to just, we need to get straight into it with a follow-up from last week. We talked about the imminent Justin Timberlake comeback last week. Selfish was due the following day after the podcast released. And you know what? Please put down the pitchforks. I think it's fine. I think it's an absolutely grand song. I don't think it's terrible. I think it's serviceable. I think it serves the purpose that it serves now, which is like rehabilitation light because he couldn't come back with a real brash kind of bravado song he needed to come back kind of ushy gushy without veering too far into that because I'm not actually sure if he's ever going to acknowledge it I do think he should if you listen to last week's episode you'll know that I think he should I don't know if he will um and also you get too ushy gushy you veer into like Robin Thicke Paula territory remember when Robin Thicke wrote a whole album for his ex-wife to try and get her back he had a song called get her back did he get her back plot twist no he didn't anyway the song is fine. The song is fine. It's not exciting me for a new Justin Timberlake record by any means, but it's absolutely fine. Things that were not fine to the Britney Spears fandom was him coming back. So they had the opportunity to do the funniest thing ever and they did. Britney, I'm not sure if you're aware, has a 2011 track called Selfish. And in response to him releasing his own track called Selfish... Britney Spears fans were like, run that up, babes, run that up. So they got Selfish back into the charts. This is 13 years old from the album Femme Fatale. Please go revisit that album. It's I feel like it's kind of divisive among Britney fans, but I fucking love it. It's so good. Gasoline, banger. Oh my God, great album. Um, and at one point during this whole debacle, Britney Selfish was ahead of JT in the digital download charts. She was sitting at number two in the iTunes store and he was number four. Not great. Not great. However, since then, she has also appeared to apologise to him over comments she had made in her autobiography that came out last year. So she shared this photo to her Instagram. I think the post is now deleted. I'm open to correction on that. But even if it, there's a likelihood that if it isn't deleted at the time I'm saying this, it will be deleted because that's very Britney energy. Britney does not believe that everything should live on the internet forever. She likes to pull things down. Uh, so she put up this post 
saying sorry, saying she was sorry if she had offended any of the people I genuinely care about. And the post was a clip of Justin Timberlake singing on Saturday Night Live with uh, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, so she said, I want to apologise for some of the things I wrote about in my book. If I offended any of the people I genuinely care about, I am deeply sorry. I also want to say I'm in love with Justin Timberlake's new song, Selfish. It is so good. And how come every time I see Justin and Jimmy together, I laugh so hard? And she went on to talk about another song that's on the album called Sanctified and was saying like, that's a good song, essentially, yeah. And I mean, I said on my Instagram, I'm giving up speculating about Britney Spears for my New Year's resolution, but this is a head scratch. I don't know. I've been talking about it with a lot of people. I don't know if it's... Genuine forgiveness, if it is great, I think that would benefit both of them. Does he deserve it? Obviously, that remains to be seen, but whatever, maybe it'd be best for all of them if that's how they move on. In some ways, I'm thinking, is there some... And I, I hate to feed into the speculation around, is Britney actually still free at all? But stuff like this, you cannot help but wonder... You cannot help but question that and wonder, are they doing dealings with Justin's team? Because I've never seen the PR machine in overdrive in such a way, even with this Saturday Night Live performance and then bringing it back together with Jimmy Fallon. And I know they would have done that regardless of the autobiography stuff, but it all still felt like he completely, you would not know Dakota Johnson was hosting an episode of Saturday Night Live. You would assume it was Justin's and he was just a musical guest, but he was it, like, she was t- completely swallowed up by it. That seems to be the way they're playing it. It's not, it's like, oh, we're ignoring this. This never happened. Remember Justin? He's so, he's in a silly, goofy mood. He's in a silly, goofy mood. So then there's a question, is it like, okay, has someone from his team been talking to maybe whoever, if there is someone, quote unquote, pulling the strings for Britney, is that what happened? Is it something else? I've spoken to a lot of people about, you know, her coming from a perspective of abuse potentially and it's something that happens quite a lot that people end up like pandering to their abusers and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't know, it's... Uh, the whole thing makes me desperately sad. And I really, I really hope it's option one. I hope it is a thing of like, she's twerk, because she's teasing this new project as well that I wasn't fully sure because I couldn't fully decide for the Instagram caption. But I hope she's twirling around in her flesh bodysuit that's bejeweled. And she's like, whatever, I don't give a fuck about Justin, but like, this sounds good, whatever, forgiven, forgiven, not forget, but forgiven, move on. I'd love that. I would really love that for her. And I hope that is the case. Whether it is, I'm not sure. Okay, I think it's time. We're keeping on a musical theme, I will say, so it's an easier segue this week. We are keeping with music because today it's just me and we're talking about a flop that is very close to my heart. Formed on the British television show The X Factor in 2010, One Direction took the world by storm with their infectious charm, catchy tunes and undeniable talent. But what happened when they embarked on their respective solo journeys? Join me as we unravel the varying levels of success each member experienced post One Direction with a specific focus on the floppiest counterparts. This is One Direction's floppiest solo careers. We can't get into them individually, I suppose, without talking about where they were when they went on an indefinite hiatus. And it's now at a point where they're all doing solo stuff longer than they were ever in One Direction, which is cuckoo bananas to me. They were only together for six years, when you think about it. Like, it's kind of, it feels so much longer, the impact on culture and music that they had. When they went on hiatus, oh, sorry, I should preface this by saying, I was not a diehard directioner from the get-go. I watched them on X Factor. I was regrettably a Matt Cardle girl. We're responsible for our own decisions. You know what I mean? I have regrets. I was a Matt Cardle girl. I didn't, uh, but I didn't dislike them because obviously I was a teenage girl. I was like, whatever, these, look at them go. Great stuff. Absolutely love it. Um, loving the boys, doing their little sing songs. Um, I didn't really align with any particular member at that point. I do, the one uh, member's audition that I remember is actually Liam's. And I think Liam is really interesting because I think at that process, at that stage of the process, I feel like Liam was being pitched as the lead. And then you put him in a group with Harry Styles and it's like, oh, too late. He is the blinding star. He is the Haley's Comet or whatever of this group. Because Liam's audition was so hyped because he'd he'd auditioned previously. He was a little bit older. His voice had matured a little bit. He did this like, uh, it was a Michael Bublé cover. It was Cry Me a River. And like, looking back at it now, I'm like, it was fine. But I suppose it was good for how old he was at the time. So I think he was 16 or 17. 
And then the show progresses and you have it very clear that it's like things are moving around and he's coming, he's becoming... Mm, is secondary the right word? Like he's, him, Harry Styles and Zayn Malik are all kind of vying and rotating between first, second and third position. And then you have, God love him, poor Nile Horan and Louis Tomlinson. They're leading up the rear, right? That don't interpret that in any other way. So, because you see even, even at judges' houses when they do that Natalie and Brulia performance and Harry is kind of leading that as well. Anyway, to go back to my relationship with them, I saw them live. Regrettably, this was post Zayn Malik exit. And it was quite literally a religious experience. It was the, I'm not sure if Made in the AM had come out yet, but it was, so it was either in advance of that or in support of, yeah, in whatever, in support of that, but I'm not sure if it was before or after the final album came out. They were playing the three arena. They were due to play Belfast the night before and they had pulled out like an hour before they were due on stage because Liam felt sick. And I was like, oh, they're definitely going to cancel Dublin as well. So shit one, right? And I was going to review it as well. So I was like, it doesn't really matter because I'm like, I'm not losing out money or anything. I'm going as press. What a buzz. We go and it is just an experience that I cannot, cannot even describe because I've never really gotten into them to their back catalogue beyond the singles. I enjoyed a lot of the singles but hearing some of the album tracks in this context of absolute mania, this insane level of staging with lighting and lasers and stuff like that. And they seemed to be having, they seemed in good spirits by all accounts. They seemed, there was no signs of any kind of tension or any hiatus on the horizon at that point. It seemed like they were having a laugh. And I, oh my God, it was hook, line and sinker. And it was actually the song from Four, which I love that album and I will be doing an episode about on Patreon. Rest assured, there will be a Bach Culture episode on four because I'm obsessed with it. There's a song on that album called Stockholm Syndrome. And it is, it, that, it was that moment. I can remember it so crystally clear and hearing that live and being like, oh my God, I cannot believe I've been like not enjoying this. I can't believe I've been preventing myself from getting into this. It, how much have I missed? And then you're trying to catch up on years of lore and years of music and look to be honest I don't think all of the One Direction back catalogue hits in the same way that Four does I think a lot of Made in the AM does it's oh so obviously I see them I'm like brilliant incredible amazing never seen before vomit on it whatever the Lady Gaga quote is and then they go on hiatus they announce the hiatus and it's like oh okay right that's not really what I wanted I wanted them to stay together. I was really hoping for like a Zayn Malik, he was going to come back. He left because he was getting kind of sick of the, like his, what he said was that he was, he wanted to live like a normal, he was early 20s at this point, which is insane. And had been engaged to Perry Edwards from Little Mix. And there'd been a big cheating scandal that kind of led to them ending their engagement and stuff like that. So he was under this, a massive amount of scrutiny. They all were. But he was facing kind of other things, racism. He was the only Muslim in the band, the only non-white member of the band. Like he was getting it kind of from all sides. So he was like, sayonara. And then they're like, okay, hiatus, let's go. I'm devastated. But then there is also the question then, okay, what are they going to do solo career-wise? Who's going to do it first? Is it going to be much the same of what we've got with these last two albums, these kind of more songwriter-driven, pop, contemporary rock, because I love that. So I was like, are we going to get more of that? And yeah, it was just a race to see who would do it first and who would do it successfully. Because again, at this point, you're like, you're looking, they go on hiatus, right? And you're looking at Louis and Niall and you're like, okay, good luck. Respectfully, good luck, right? You're looking at Liam and you're like, absolutely, he is going to kind of position his way into this new career and he's going he's going to find the transition really seamless. Zayn, despite leaving the group, had always been considered to be the best vocalist. And then Harry, there was definitely a will there for him to also be extremely successful. Again... It was a risk though. It was a risk for all of them because in some ways they were so big. So anything less than number one is a failure, which kind of speaks to 
this topic and the idea of any of them quote unquote flopping because in a lot of ways they didn't especially because we're mainly going to be talking about Louis Liam and Zayn in a lot of ways they didn't but it's just when you compare it to the overall success of One Direction the success of Harry Styles and then on a lesser level but still a level the success of Niall it's insane so speaking of insane let's look at Zayn he left in 2015 as I mentioned and then released his debut album Mind of Mine in 2016 so not a lot of time between that album though that him leaving and that album right it was very R&B infused, like very leaning on the sexy voice. He noted two awful examples of influences, Chris Brown, R. Kelly, not great. He was very much going for, I'm a grown man now. And even he said it in his Fader interview. I don't know if anyone remembers this Fader interview that he did kind of leading up to the solo album. I remember it so specifically. It's, if you Google it, it's, the images are of him drinking orange juice and the orange juice is like spilling out of the glass. In hindsight, it's kind of an absolutely disgusting picture and I can't even imagine how sticky and disgusting he was. But it was just like he was blonde, he was back, he was doing it. He was working with this guy called James Malay Ho, who's kind of more commonly known as Malay. He'd worked on Frank Ocean's Channel Orange, which is like this seminal album, critically adored, really interesting. So you're hearing all this and you're like, oh my God, we have it. And especially with his voice, the falsetto, we're like, we have this. He has it absolutely down. He's the first one out. So he is ahead of the race in that sense. All eyes are on him. And, you know, it's... And by his own account, like he's going into this with his eyes open. He said in that Fader interview again, he says, a big part of why I left the band is I made the realisation that it wasn't actually about being the biggest anymore. It wasn't about the amount of ticket sales that I get. It was more about the people that I reach. I want to reach them in the right way and I want them to believe what I'm saying. I've done enough in terms of financial backing for me to live comfortably. I just want to make music now. If people want to listen to that, then I'm happy. If they don't want to listen to it, then don't fucking listen to it. I'm cool with that too. I've got enough. I don't need you to buy it on a mass scale for me to feel satisfied. So with Mind of Mind, we had the gargantuan single... Pillow Talk, like number one in 12 countries, including the UK and the US. And obviously the US is nightmarish to crack, even though they'd had success there. Again, not guaranteed. UK would have been more likely. Pillow Talk featured his, I'm not sure if they were confirmed at the time of Pillow Talk's release, but Gigi Hadid, uh, he went on to have a child with her. Their relationship is documented throughout her mu- throughout his music as it goes on. And there is just like insane hype. I feel like Pillow Talk was initially very divisive for people. I remember hearing it being like, I didn't really know where I sat with that. I thought it was a bit like shouty or something. Interesting stat about the US charts as well. Pillow Talk made Malik the first British artist to debut at number one in the US with a debut single. So there you go. Okay, I'm actually wrong here. The critics loved Pillow Talk. I don't know why. I feel like I remember that maybe it was like fan reaction or something. I'm not sure, but I'm reading it here. You have Tom Brennan from Stereogum calling it sleek, immaculately constructed piece of moody. Piece of moody. Is moody a noun? Okay. There's Times chose as their track of the week at the time and described it as a slick and nouveau R&B like Miguel. Love Miguel. With a blog wave backing. The Guardian said, against all odds, in Malik's debut single is shockingly good. I don't think I liked it initially and then it got very, very earwormy and it had me, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't what I was expecting. I was really expecting Frank Ocean and then to not get Frank Ocean, I was like, mm, okay, interesting, but I'll wait for the album. And then the album comes and I don't want to say it blew me away, but it was quite good. It is quite good and a lot of very, very good tracks. So there are two other singles, Like I Would, which is much more upbeat. And then we have uh, Kalani, or not Kalani, Wrong, which is a Kalani collab. Kalani, I will note this because this is going to be important later on. Kalani is the only feature on that album, right? Keep that in mind. Mind of Mine went to number one in several countries, including the UK, United States, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Norway, Portugal, and Sweden. And he became the first British male artist debut at number one in both the UK and US with a debut single and debut studio album. So there you go. It essentially paved the way for something very positive to come. It wasn't perfect by any means. I love the song. Before is probably my favourite song actually on that album, Bar the Singles. 
it's you is also very good. I think there was a frustration at the time that it wasn't very autobiographical. It was very kind of all vibes. All vibes. All vibes, no ibes. Um, but I think at that point, you have to remind, he's still very early 20s. He's still figuring out his perspective as a songwriter. I think he did contribute to the songs during his time at One Direction, but maybe not as much as we'll say a Liam or a Louis. I think they were the predominant songwriters. And also Zayn had this, Zayn wanted to be doing R&B. So like this kind of fit him perfectly. Here's what Pitchfork had to say about Mind of Mine. Lacking compelling hooks, a unifying mood or a clear narrative. Former One Direction member Zayn's debut, Mind of Mine, is a definitive step away from One Direction towards nowhere in particular. Ouch. And I got 5.9. Jeez Louise. Again, as I said, I thought it was good. It should have paved this launch pad for him, but it just didn't. He started pulling out of gigs because of his anxiety. And I'm not sure. I don't know, was it just because he was getting more famous because of the relationship with Gigi Hadid? So I don't know if it was, I'm going to be brutally honest, a naivety there that he thought he wasn't going to get more famous despite dating one of the most famous people in the world. Maybe also not realising that being first out with solo music and the way the One Direction fan base operates, there's obviously going to be a lot of scrutiny there as well. And as much as you might want to just do the music and never be seen again, there does need to be a level of promotion. And look, he did really promote this initially, but he started cancelling gigs because of his anxiety, as is his right. I don't think any career is worth, you know ruining your mental health over. But I think it all kind of started to take a knock then when he went to do the second album, which was, can you name it? I bet you can't. Icarus Falls. Did anyone listen to Icarus Falls? This is a strange one, right? This came out, so this is 2018. This is two years later. And it was actually due to be out in 2017, which I think is one of the issues. I think it took too long to come out. And it's this massive, or no, sorry. Yeah. Came out in 2018. Icarus Falls came out December 2018, which is like a death knell for most records anyway. That's so late to be releasing a record. I know Q4 is usually a good time, but December is so late. And it was originally planned for 2017 because Zayn wanted to focus on the aesthetic and the sound around the album and kind of move away from whatever he'd established with the first album. The album's called Icarus Falls. It's a concept album. Did you know that? It's influenced by Greek mythology, Icarus, and addresses themes of self-love, find yourself again as a person, and hope. This album is gi-fucking-normous. There are 26 tracks, I'm pretty sure. I'm looking at it here now. I was incorrect. There's actually 29. Now, one of them, I think, was only added in 2020 on, on streaming to the album track listing, and that's the Dust Till Dawn, the Sia song. This... <sighs> I've actually, I, I didn't love it at the start because I just found it absolutely impossible to penetrate. Like it's this huge hard drive album that I'm going to be honest, I'm not, I think some of the songwriting on it is really strong, but it doesn't feel cohesive. And I think it's, it's actually been revealed that I think they had like 60 or something songs left over from the first album. So a lot of it is this new concept album and the rest of it is like stuff that didn't make the first album, which is never a good call. And I'd love to know whose decision that was. Was this him trying to kind of fuck over the label and get out of the label? I'm not really sure, right? But it was, I found it impossible to get into. I've come back to it since and I do actually think a lot of it works better for me second time around than it did. But there are still some bizarre 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 choices on it so it's still R&B but we're got we're getting a lot of kind of a little bit of trap a little bit of electro pop a little bit of funk rock he's back with Malay but he's also working with Alan Sampson Make You No Love Timbaland very interestingly and then he has features with the likes of Nicki Minaj on it right I honestly thought none of the singles took off from this right but I completely forgot the song Let Me, which was the first single and came out in April. And actually is kind of a banger. It's very boys to men. Now, an arrestable opening line in the in the lyrics, sweet baby, our sex is meaning. What? What? Shut the fuck up. Um, but I really like it otherwise. And again, I think kind of divisive reviews upon release. And then after that, it felt like I heard nothing. The following singles, because these, like... You're talking a run of six, six singles. Six, six, you're talking a run of six singles. They were trying. 
incredibly hard for this album. Whether it was him, whether it was the team, whether it was both. Someone in a back room was trying incredibly hard. First single is Let Me, that's April 2018. Entertainer is the next single, that's May 2018. Sour Diesel, shocking song. Do, do not investigate that. You can skip that when you are listening to Icarus Falls. Too Much is the next single, and that's August. Fingers... This is 18th of October and then No Candle, No Light, which is a Nicki Minaj collab and that comes out in November. It's, it's a lot, like, it's a lot. And I think if you're asking the average music consumer and average One Direction listener to come with you on this journey that's 26 or 29 tracks long, you have to understand that some of them are probably going to be a little bit reluctant, you know, or not as intrigued or find it kind of hard to get into. He was also having these random sing- singles. I mentioned the Dust Till Dawn sing- single. Why is single a very hard word to say on this episode? That came out in 2017. Still Got Time, his Party Next Door collab. That's a good song. That came out in 2017. But this is where I think we're starting to see like the ascent from flop, descent rather, the descent from bop to flop happen. And I just, I don't know what it is. Is it his public persona? Because there was a foundation there that he just wasn't able to build on. But even we'll take an example of, well, we'll take Still Got Time. That was the party next door club. That went to 24 on the UK single starts. And that's not great considering how, you know, how rapidly the One Direction fandom can mobilise and be supportive, right? We'll see that with Louis Tomlinson later on. That's not great. And then you have Let Me, which also, which is the first single from that album. And again, I think very good. That only goes to 20. So immediately you're like, oh, what's, what are we, what are we going to do here? And like, by all accounts, Icarus Falls was a lot more liked than the previous album. I got 6.4 on Pitchfork, more Johnston wrote, Zane's reputation as a skillful interpreter of pop is tested on his second solo album, a tome of love songs with a concept that hinges on excess and its trickery. Back to Life is a great song on this album. Forget Sour Diesel. The Timbaland collab is good. It's not great. The Nicki Minaj song is not good. I love Let Me. He sounds brilliant on this. The falsetto is brilliant. But at this point, we're seeing like quite a significant disconnect. And he's gradually kind of, you can see him pulling away from public life as this is not going the way he maybe thought it was. 2021, his last record with RCA Records. Nobody is listening. And let me tell you, nobody was. Nobody was. This was uh, preceded by the release of the singles Better and Vibes. And again, got like favourable reviews. But this album, number 17 on the UK album charts. Like, not, really not great. Now, I will say Icarus Falls was worse. Icarus Falls went to like 77 in the UK, which is crazy. But again, I think it goes back to how long it was and people just being like, I'm I'm not listening to all this. I'm happy for you though. Um, so then Nobody's Listening comes out. And also, I think he kind of benefited from the pandemic a small bit. So number 44 on the Billboard chart, 17 on the UK album chart. And in classic musician fashion, he said that he had total creative reign on this project and he's making the music he's always wanted to, which is weird because I'm pretty sure he said that about the first album. He also told Entertainment Daily that the album was his most personal project to date. I love that. I love that um, that classic line. Again, decent reviews. I had never listened to it, but obviously listened to it for this episode. And again, like it's fine. I think some of the songs are a bit meandering but like vocally he's so good the production is so interesting his influences are really clear but I don't think they swallow him up he is a real personality that it's just I I just find it baffling that he is one of the ones that didn't make it you know what I mean in this sense because I already mentioned how this album did as I said it got slightly favorable favorable reviews but you move on to the comeback he tried to kind of stage Last year, in 2023, with Love Like This, the new single, he's on a new record label. He's on Mercury and Republic Records. He's working with John Bellion, like, massive pop songwriter. He's doing all this promotion that he hadn't previously. He'd kind of retreated a lot from public life. He'd split up with Gigi. They'd had the baby. There was a falling out with Gigi Hadid's mom, Yolanda, that has never kind of been revealed and never will be. He had gone to ground, right? Even around the time of Nobody Is Listening, he would just, he'd, be, he'd post nothing on Instagram for ages and then he'd put up like random Harry Potter spawn con for this game being like, you can have a Harry Potter 
Avatar 2, would you like to know if you're in Slytherin? And you're like, babe, I just want the music. That's actually all I want. He goes to ground and then suddenly he's doing like, he's doing Call Her Daddy and he's talking about, he's obviously doing it as a promotional thing to talk about the song. But like he's talking about One Direction, he's talking about everything. He seems like genuinely in a good place. Love Like This, which honestly I think is a, again, decent song. A decent, uh, what would you call it? What's that word? Buzz track? I don't know. What's a word for that first single you released that it's not a single, but it's like a promotional track? Promotional track? Maybe that's it, but I think I'm thinking of another word. In terms of how it did, in the UK, UK went to 36. I mean, just creeping into that top 40. Ireland, it's 57. And to say we have not heard from that man since. He's obviously popping up at the fashion events and stuff like that. And I think maybe... Look, I do think there's there's probably still an album to come. But my question is, can he... I don't know if he can pull it off now because it's just, it's been so long. I think he really benefited from being the first out the gate. And now it's like, is there a want there for Zayn Malik music? In some ways, yeah. For me, because I just think he is an interesting perspective. And I think when he's a song on Nobody's Listening where he's like, he's definitely directly referencing the split between him and Gigi. And he's talking about giving up custody of the dog and splitting custody of the dog. And like, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but... I don't know, he just, but it's also his want to not be famous. And I'm just like, if you'd been a little, if you'd got, if you'd, an, in a parallel universe and you got your little, you had an indie kid trajectory and not this manufactured pop trajectory machine that spat you out and made you a pop star, what could you have been? I don't know. It's a shame. I would love to see him succeed, but I think he would need to do a lot more collaborations. I'm not sure it's something he's really willing to do. So yeah, I don't know. Interestingly, he has the most Instagram followers of the lot of them. Now, it's it's getting close between himself and Harry, obviously. I think there's like maybe four or five mil in the difference. But I thought that was interesting. Harry has the most TikTok followers. I didn't check any other social media site because none of them really matter. But, oh my God. So let's go back to Pitchfork. 5.6 for nobody is listening. I forgot to read this. The boy band graduate remains desperate to remind you that he has sex, eager to insist that he smokes. His falsetto is beautiful, but he's never sounded like this much of an amateur. Yeah, I will say, I wonder if that's an issue with the music as well. Like, it's just, he's really, really, really reluctant to get into anything beyond the fact that he shags. You know what I mean? Which is something that affects the next member of One Direction that I'm about to talk about after this break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Liam, 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 Liam. In my opinion, Liam had it. Liam could have done it and he didn't. And again, there's a disconnect there. Well, actually, I know exactly why and we'll get into it. I think there are a lot of reasons why. But again, it's just a shame because I think the mold was there for him to fit into and he just didn't succeed. Especially because, as I mentioned, he was one, one of One Direction's main songwriters and kind of continued to write for other people, even during his time with One Direction and post One Direction. He wrote under the aliases Pano and Big Pano, which he should probably be in jail for that. But anyway, he wrote a song, actually, an Irish connection. He wrote a song for Hometown back in the day. There you go. He signed with Republic Records in October 2016 and then released his debut solo single, Strip That Down, featuring Migos' Quavo in May 17. And I mean, where were you? Where were you when he released Strip That Down? Again, I'm making a lot of hard confessions on this week's podcast. I liked Strip That Down. You know what I mean? I was naive. I was blind. I thought, here's a white man with swag. <laughs> like, maybe this is a bit of me. 
Maybe maybe this is going to be like a second coming of Zayn in the sense that we'll get something like that. I need to say we didn't, but you know what I mean? I did like it a lot. I thought it was interesting that, it, like, and again, you'd wonder the parallel universe that he lives in in which he'd just done songwriting because even, I think when they went on hiatus or at some point, uh, at some point either before during or directly after the hiatus, he spoke to Billboard and he said, to be honest with you, I wasn't going to do a solo venture. I was just going to go into songwriting and carry on doing that. But then I was like, you've been trying to do this since you were 14 years old. You would be ridiculously stupid to turn down the option to have a deal. Coming out of the band, we had some pretty good opportunities around us. I had to do something. So Strip That Down comes out and I don't I don't remember there being any kind of imminent swift backlash to it I don't remember there being like universal praise or everyone being like this is very good but I think people like I remember listening and I'm like this is a bit cheeky this is probably the route he should go down and I was like it's absolutely serviceable and maybe the next song will be better regrettably the next song wasn't better it was Bedroom Floor and even though again Liam Payne one of the strongest vocalists in that group maybe potentially stronger than Harry Styles we'll get to it you know he's doing the falsetto but it's so grating he's doing the kind of thing that Zane has failed at where it's like I shag I shag if you if I see you I'm gonna shag you we're gonna shag we love to shag 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 uh 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 like sexy sexy boy I'm so sexy you're sexy everybody's sexy and this is also amidst like this you know this is also in the midst of him dating Cheryl Cole knee tweedy knee whatever right this is like you, he could not be any more tabloid fa- fodder, and I think this was also an issue for him because the public narrative overtook the music. It was because Cheryl is so under scrutiny at all times and keenly watched by tabloids, and especially when it comes to her relationships, it's very much like, "Oh, Cheryl never got a man. Cheryl unlucky in love." Blah blah blah, and then she gets with Liam, who. I mean, there's been questions around that relationship since because obviously they met on the X Factor when he was young. When they had initially met, they didn't. There was no relationship then. But then to go on and be together, people have been like, "I was kind of weird." Anyway, they were dating. It's like, oh my god, X Factor contestant and X Factor judge. Like, honestly, catnip for OK Magazine and all the rest of them. Cheryl is pregnant. Cheryl has a baby again. Tabloids are there's blood coming out of their ears, being like, "Oh, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect." You've all this public narrative, and he's also trying to just tell really sexy songs while also embarking on this journey of parenthood. And I'm not saying you can't be sexy and be a parent. Of course you can. Love you. Love you, mums and dads. But there was, I don't know, there was a contradiction. Contradiction is not the right word I'm trying to use, but I can't think of the right word I'm trying to use. He's trying to do this. And when I say, like, he is, no one's ever tried harder at having a, a solo career. Like, he is very much, like, working, like, Strip That Down goes to number 10 in the US. Not bad. And I should mention Ed Sheeran is writing on that song. Of course he is. And he writes on another absolutely horrific song on this album that we'll get to. It's number three in the UK. Not Certainly not bad. Absolutely not bad. Again, you compare it to Zane and it's funny. Like, Zane got to number one. You know, it's it's crazy. He releases Bedroom Floor. Bedroom Floor, as far as I'm aware, doesn't really go anywhere. Bedroom Floor, which Gas did not realise Charlie Puth is a writer on this. Charlie Puth should have known better than that. Oh my God. He performed the song on X Factor. It went to number 30 in Ireland. It went to 21 in the UK. So again, we're starting to see the kind of slip off here. Goes to 98 in the Billboard Hot 100. Like barely makes it in. Um, And then there's another single with Zed. And again, I love this song and it's on my gym playlist. It's called Get Low. Very good. Very, you know, it's of that era. Trap pop house vibes. Get low. Get low. Hands on your sled. I don't mind that. It's good. Good track. This is all happening um, 2016. And like he, again, similar enough to Zayn with maybe A Curse Falls, it's like relentless singles waiting for something to stick. You have, now this is slightly different because it's a movie soundtrack single, but you have January 2018, Liam and Rita, Rita Ora, I was to say Rita, first name basis if she's my friend. They released a single for you from Fifty Shades Freed. Actually, a good song in my opinion. Feel free to disagree, you'd be wrong. Then he releases Familiar with Jay Balvin, who's trying to get on like the Latin pop, you know, very much in that vein, like kind of piggyback off that. We're nearly like, we're pretty much nearly a full year into like album promotion cycle, which I don't know, probably too long at this point. So then he's like, yeah, debut album LP1, 
That should have been an issue in itself. LP1 is coming 14th of September 2018, okay? Now, he does release an EP before that. It's called First Time and he's collaborating with French Montana and stuff like that. It's this, I'm a white singer and I'm going to capitalize off of all these sounds that were, that are predominantly rooted in, you know, or have been popularized and created fundamentally by black artists and then get black artists to kind of come on that for me. It all was very culture vulture-y and I don't know, not good. (laughs) I think we can forgive a level of like, I don't know, borrowing genres and music if the output is good, but it just it simply isn't, right? So he puts out the EP called First Time. That's 24th of August, 2018. This is a month before the album is due. Again, bang a desperation off this, trying to be like, we need to get people to buy into this. How do we get people to buy into this? We'll release this. So that's all happening October 2018. At this point now, obviously, September's been and gone. The album has not come out, right? He comes out with a new song called Stack It Up in September 2019 with an American rapper named A Boogie With A Hoodie. And that's a fucking terrible song, let me tell you. And Ed Sheeran's on that. And Ed Sheeran should answer for his crimes and songwriting for that because mother of Christ. The song is released and Liam's like, the album's definitely, definitely, definitely coming. Uh, 2020, right? Doesn't come in 2020. It actually then comes 6th of December, 2019. And it's... It's bad. And insanely one of the first tracks he releases from that album that hasn't been a single that's already come or collaboration that he's already done is the last track in the album and it's a Christmas song and it's called All I Want, parentheses, for Christmas. And it is the most... It's a head-turning moment, girls. This is the only thing that I can describe it as. And it's this fella being like, all I want for Christmas is for us to get back together, essentially, right? But it is... It's this keel turn of... I need to bring up the track listing because it's just... It's all of these like violent, violent dance collaborations. These random throwaway singles that have been like gleaned within an inch of their life. I don't think there's one song on this that I like. Heart Me Break is what one of the songs is called, which I mean, absolutely not. Rude Hours, you can imagine what that's about. And it's, it's not good. I will maintain Get Low It Said is good. And I think maybe that's the lane he needs to stay in where he's like a dance He's contributing to dance songs through vocals, you know what I mean? But he's not trying to do the Aldi, Justin Bieber, sexy, I don't know. It just didn't work. It really didn't work with the critics. Didn't really work commercially either. It debuted at number 17 on the UK album charts, number 111 on the Billboard Top 200. I have the Pitchfork review and it's a doozy 4.3. The former One Direction member's solo debut is just another pop star flailing to find his identity amid trend-hopping production and half-baked lyrics. That's the thing. There's no identity with, I mean, any of it. Again, bar the shagging and bar the, well, I mean, I don't know. You could make an argument for Zayn that at least he's talking about he wants to go smoke his bliff, you know what I mean? Liam, it's all love and unrequited love and struggling with that and... I don't know, thematically, it just wasn't really interesting. And it was, there's a very, sorry, there's a line from this review that I'm going to uh, read. LP won 17 songs, including a 2018 read collab from the Fifty Shades free soundtrack and a Christmas number tacked on at the end, have the ambience and trendscaping of a Zara fitting room. Eesh, 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 eesh. Also, I don't know why he's so obsessed with Christmas songs, but he then released another Christmas song with Dixie D'Amelio, who is a TikToker, predominantly, also has tried her hand at music, good for her, called, the song is called Naughty List, and I'm only telling you about it so you can avoid it at all costs, because it's fucking terrible, it's so, it's so bad. Anyway, the reason why I actually picked this episode in the first place is because he's frantically teasing LP2. He has new Spotify images, headshots, he's teasing snippets, the snippets sound much of the same. But again, it goes back to that question, who is out here wanting solo One Direction music that isn't Harry or Nile at this point. Has the time been too long? Has the mark of LP1 been too bad? Because even if you look at Zayn, who was a better artist, fundamentally, a better artist, more interesting artist, not as publicly facing, because I could do a whole separate episode on how maybe Liam's cringe factor played into the failed kind of album rollout... Because that was the thing. I feel like there was a retrospective thing about Strip That Down where he was like kind of doing this insane choreography when none of them were known to be dancers. But because he was doing the R&B thing and he was trying to be Justin, he was trying to be a little bit of a dancer and it comes off so cringy. 
And then he's going on and doing, while Zayn has probably been too quiet, Liam has been too loud. And he's been, you know, kind of bad-mouthing the band, bad-mouthing members of the band, and has possibly alienated factions of the fan base by doing that, by going on podcasts like Impulsive and talking about how there was one member he would have loved to punch in the face or he shoved against the wall, something like that. Now, he's since come out and I think kind of retracted that and talked about that and said, not a good time in his life. He suffers with alcoholism and substance abuse issues, which could possibly have contributed to the behaviour and some of the things he said, whatever. But again, it just goes back to that question, okay, LP2 is coming, who asked? Who wants? I don't know. I don't know. And then, of course, we have Louis Tomlinson. Poor Louis, who himself has described himself previously as, like, easily forgettable. There's a really good interview he did with The Guardian around the time of the BB Rexa collab, which let's... Are we going to talk about the BB Rexa collab? Oh, my God. Back to you. Back to you featuring BB Rexa and Digital Farm Animals. Never forget that before BB Rexa was a pop girly, she was an emo girly. She had a band with Pete Wentz. It was called Black Cards and it released some of the strangest music I've ever heard in my entire life. Domino's, Dom, Domino's or Domino is the name of the song and I think it's pretty good. Or anything other than that, very weird. Anyway, Louis did a really good interview. This, this was 2017, around the time of this track coming out with Tom Lamont. And he acknowledges that, you know, the headline of the piece is Niall is lovely, Zane has the voice, Harry is cool, Liam gets the crowd going. That's debatable now. Then there's me. As Tomlinson acknowledges, in one direction, he was seen by some as forgettable to a certain degree. This was someone who, in the midst of one direction, was doing a lot of the songwriting as well, I will say. Doing a lot of the songwriting. He set up his own label in 2015, Triple Strings Limited, and it was like an imprint of Psycho the record label that they were signed to, Simon Cowell's record label. He was working with Simon Cowell to create a girl band and had held auditions for this girl band in 2015. And then obviously the hiatus happens and he talks about the hiatus as well in the Guardian interview where he was saying like he had finally found his confidence as a performer because he, him and Zane really got on at the start because they shared kind of the same nerves in the way that maybe they, the rest of the lads didn't. They just kind of had this immediate confidence this is the paragraph. Not the best singer, not the high energy guy, not the dude. Tomlinson discovered he was the one in the band who was most tuned into backstage logistics. The one who paid attention when the 20th approval... The one who paid attention when the 20th approval form was passed around for a signature. And if there was any bad news that needed given to the label, I'd always be de- designated to have the argument. That's in a quote, obviously. Later, this would lead to Tomlinson founding a small record label of his own. I already mentioned this. Somewhere en route, Tomlinson says he found his feet as a performer. In the last year of One Direction, I was probably the most confident I ever was. And then it was, okay, hiatus. And then in his mind, he was like, do I approach the solo career at all? Because the interviewer kind of put, puts that to him. He's like, why, why would you do it all again when it's like you're having to re-prove yourself as an artist, separate to One Direction, but unable to escape the shadow of One Direction? And he says... He would step away, try writing for other people, keep his label going, wait the two years, five years, whatever it be, until One Direction reformed. Because he really didn't want them to split. I should have said that. He, he said it was not a nice conversation and he definitely was not one of the ones, or not split, sorry, directioners, don't come for me. The indefinite hiatus. He was not really in support of it at all. If you'd asked me a year, 18 months ago, are you going to do anything as a solo artist? I'd have said absolutely not. So as I said, this was before his kind of dabbling into solo music. He does eventually go on to judge on the 15th series of The X Factor alongside Simon and there were new judges, Robbie Williams and Ida Field, but I think no one watched that series so he was kind of shagged. But I do wonder like if those kind of shows had kept going or if he was offered something like The Voice a la Niall because that's obviously what Niall is doing the States. He would have done that, I think. And I think he potentially could have been very successful because he's very sympathetic, you know? So he initially comes out with these like dance songs, like Just Hold On is his first single and it's a collaboration with Steve Aoki. And again, that's December 2016. He performs a song in the 13th season of The X Factor. Significantly, it's a few days after his mother had died from cancer. And it's a fascinating and like horrifying performance to watch because you can just see him like desperately trying to get through it and... He does so well, but when you're thinking of the circumstances, it's just like, oh my God. And he basically, he's talked about this in interviews where he said in that in hospital, he spoke with his mom and his mom was like, you need to do this performance, you need to do this performance. And he's like, okay. The song goes to number two in the UK singles charts and goes to number one in the Billboard Dance Electronic Digital Song Sales Chart. And again, 
this is someone who has never really been backed and always underestimated within, maybe not, I, again, don't want to speak for directioners, don't get mad at me, um, but from music people widely and maybe not necessarily fans, I think people were like, how is he going to do this? And you see that and you're like, oh, he did, he did it. Like he's, maybe he is going to be able to do it. Then the BB Rexa song comes. BB Rexa, back to you, Digital Farm Animals. This goes to number eight on the UK Singles Chart. Goes to number 40 on the Hot 100 in the States, which is better. Anyway, the song comes out. He signs a record deal with Epic Records. There's a couple of other singles come out, just like you, peaked at 99 on the UK official charts. And then he releases a song called Miss You, which did a lot better. Went 39, well, I say a lot better. It went to 39 in the UK charts. Have never heard that song in my entire life, I don't think. And at that point, he was like, the album's done, the album's ready, the album never sees the light of day because he goes on to do X Factor, as I said. He actually wins that season, sorry, spoilers, uh, with his contestant, Dalton Harris. Good for him. Can you, could I pick that man out from a lineup? Absolutely not, but good for him. He's kind of bouncing around record, record labels. He goes to Arista Records, that's 2019, and he releases a song called Two of Us, which is in tribute to his mom, and it is a lovely song, I will say that. And then he's like, the album is coming, the album is coming, it's going to be early 2020. There's a couple of other promo singles, Kill My Mind. Again, he said that this single is the closest I've got in all of my singles to where I feel comfortable. It's the kind of influences that I have and stuff that I listen to growing up. Where I'm at with this single, I'm actually really proud and relieved to finally find my place, find my lane musically. There's another single, he goes on a tour, visits 20 countries, it's a five-month long tour. He's a very successful touring artist, I will say that. Walls comes out 31st of January 2020. Again, not really a great month to be releasing music, but whatever. Goes to number four in the UK album charts. Goes to number nine in the Billboard 200 chart, which is pretty good, like. Pretty good, again, all things considered, where we thought Louis was in the position of uh, One Direction. And I think he played it the best in the sense that, again, he was doing music that he liked and it was really clear as much as I do, like, obviously, I think Niall en- enjoys the music that he makes, Harry the same, Liam the same, and Zane the same, but there's just something, it feels slightly more authentic with Louis, I don't know. And I suppose Louis really, there was no other genre Louis could do. You know what I mean? Zane could do straight pop, dance, R&B, like his albums are always a mishmash of everything. Liam could do straight pop or dance, but seems obsessed with staying in an R&B lane, which I'm not sure is benefiting him. Louis could only do this, in my opinion. He was due to go on a big tour for the album. We all know what happened, COVID-19. During 2020, though, this is crazy. He held a digital concert live from London at the end of 2020, and he sold over 160,000 tickets. It broke the Guinness World Record as the most live-stream concert for a male solo artist of the year and third overall. Crazy. The proceeds went to various charities and all that and to help his crew who were off work and stuff like that. They, I've listened to that album... Girls, I'm going to be honest, as much as I think it was the right call, you can smell the lack of confidence. You can smell that he's like just desperately trying to, and he said this himself, like he's desperately trying to be liked, taken seriously. It's, I think there's, I think there is vulnerability and I think that should be applauded and appreciated. Not a lot of it works for me and a lot of the songwriting I think needs honing and needs refining which I do think he does on the next album which is called Faith in the Future and that came out in 2022 he announced the album August 2022 tracks in the album were leaked then he said he was gutted the lead single Bigger Than Me this is very much more rock influence as much as Walls does have that Britpop influence this is like kind of a marrying of rock pop it suits him way more. There's a lot more confidence there. I love Chicago. That's a bit more straight pop. Out of My System is good. Silver Tongues is good. Written All Over Your Face. I enjoy. Now, one of the songs is called She Is Beauty, We Are World Class, which I think, I'm not really sure. I think there could have been an edit on there, but anyway, what do I know? The album goes to number one. There's this huge campaign from Louis Tomlinson fans and One Directioners to be like, let's get the album to number one. Let's get him a number one album. Sorry, the Liam Payne fans found rotting. So he goes to number one, his first solo album to debut at number one on the UK Albums chart. And it went to number five in the Billboard charts, which is much better than I thought it uh, did. Now, not everybody loved Faith in the Future. Alan Core for RTE said, Louis Thompson lacks direction on new album. You have to feel for Louis Tomlinson, his former One Direction bandmate, Harry Styles has become one of the biggest pop stars on the planet. While Mullingar lad Niall Horan has streaked ahead with his brand of radio-friendly FM rock. 
Meanwhile, 30-year-old multimillionaire Louis has been casting about for a sound he can call his own since his former band went on what now seems to be a permanent vacation. In the cruel world of pop, the Doncaster lad keeps on trucking. On his second solo album, Louis, who is always seen as the One Directioner with rock tendencies, is caught between Oasis Light and the kind of regrettable UK indie landfill that blighted the charts in the early noughties. Ouch, ouch, ouch. But then by contrast, I think you have enemy. Rianne Daly said, Faith in the future is an assured step forward. The former One Direction singer has acknowledged that his solo career is an ever-evolving process, but he appears to be heading in the right direction. Faith in the Future, his second solo album, marks a loosening up and letting go of that attitude. Like Walls, he wears his love for Indiana sleeve here, but allows himself the space to experiment, no longer trying to emulate his heroes. I'm not sure I'd fully agree with that. I think there is a lot of emulation and, you know, a lot of direct references to... to... Uh, Oasis and all that jazz, but anyway... Sorry, also forgot to read this other scathing pitchfork review of Walls, which got a 4.8 from Ashley Barden. The latest One Direction to go his own way tackles big themes, but the music is filled with the kind of dead-eyed vocal delivery and lazy drumming, strumming, and rating that all pop stars fear. Yeesh. Yeesh, 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 yeesh. But again, as I said, he's very successful touring. Like, it's nothing to be sniffed at to be getting, especially your second album post band you know what I mean in some ways like Walls should have been the number one you know if you're to look at the pattern that Zayn has followed surely Louis would have been replicating the same thing but he hasn't he's managed to kind of escape the trap which is interesting now is the music getting to anyone else bar directioners I don't know you tell me what would you like from any of the others we'll say the tertiary less successful One Direction member so far because we know what Harry's going to do. Harry is due another absolute banger of an album. He's either going to become like the male Taylor Swift, which in some ways he potentially already is, or he's he's due a flop. You know what I mean? And Niall, look, Niall, the issue with Niall is I think he's still enjoying a specific level of success, but the music is not hitting in the way that Harry's music is. And I don't really know why that is because he's had some bangers. Heartbreak Weather, that second album is a good album, but I think it was just, I think it was the pandemic. Not to blame anything on the everything on the pandemic girls, but I am blaming the pandemic on that. So let me know what you think. What's your favorite solo? What's your favorite One Direction member solo song? That's not English. Whatever doesn't matter. Please let me know though. I'd be interested. Finally, whew, that was long. It's time to see who is top of the flaps this week. You're a flop. Top of the flaps this week. I mean, I'm reluctant to say a name or actually crown this but it's more a situation and it's this escalating beef between Megan Thee Stallion and Nicki Minaj so if you're unfamiliar two quite talented rappers uh Nicki kind of first on the scene extremely successful in her own right has a reputation for not really uplifting other girls on the scene or new artists on the scene right August 2019 she actually does end up collaborating with Megan Thee Stallion and They meet on Instagram Live and it's all very friendly. They're very congratulatory of each other because they're both releasing things in or around that time, whatever. And as I said, Nikki jumps on the Hot Girl Summer. I don't know if it was the remix of the original, but she jumps on that, which is Megan's song. So everyone's like, okay, brilliant, brilliant. Megan, new kid on the block. We love her. Nikki's also supporting great. We love it. We love it. We love it. We love it. Then there was reports of new music. The music never comes anywhere. 2020, we have WAP, which is the collaboration between Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B. Nicki Minaj and Cardi B do not get along at all. They have mega beef. One of them threw a shoe at the other one at one of the Met Galas. Like, that's how far we're going, right? So Meg does this. This song is obviously huge. She's very self-congratulatory on social media. Nicki unfollows Megan on Instagram in January 2021. So people are like, oh, feuding, they're feuding, they're kind of looking in song lyrics. Months later, Nikki has a song called Seeing Green comes out and the lyrics go, one margarita pizza with parmesan and garlic, these bitches thirsty, I can see why they're alcoholics. People took that as a dig at Meg, right? Nikki is on Queen Radio, which is her Apple Music show, September 2022. And she's like consistently ignoring questions about Megan on the show. And then she starts giving this really... She starts detailing this alleged conversation she had with another female rapper who claimed she tried to get her to, or sorry, Nikki claims that this female rapper tried to get her to drink while she was pregnant and suggested that she could get an abortion. And she was talking about, like, kind of referencing, I think, that 
Megan wasn't like very celebratory of her pregnancy. She said, imagine posting photos that you're pregnant and the person doesn't even like it or say congratulations. But then when you post that Beyonce sent you flowers congratulating you, the person then tried to send you flowers thinking that, oh, I can use this opportunity as she does everyone else. She'll post the flowers. I didn't even let them... I don't know what the word in, in, I don't know what the censored word is, but basically she didn't let the flowers in the house. Someone went back to Meg and was like, here, Nikki's saying this about you. And Megan responded on Twitter saying, lie. Her only response. March 2023, Nikki releases Red Ruby to Sleaze. And again, it's kind of like pew, 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 taking shots at Megan. She says, 700 on them horses when we fix them to leave, but I don't fuck with horses since Christopher Reeves. She also says, Dorito bitch is mad that they not chose, which is a reference to Megan that year did a commercial, a Super Bowl commercial for Flaming Hot Cheetos and Doritos. That's not the worst though. There's another lyric that says, that 40 cal and make them dance like a go-go. This is hard to say when you're speaking it and also you're not a rapper. Which is a reference to the Tory Lanez shooting. Tory Lanez shot Megan in the foot in an incident in July 2020. And he is now in jail. He's serving a 10-year jail sentence for that. He was reportedly shouting, dance bitch, while shooting at her. This all happens. She actually also releases, what's that other song? Fuck the Club Up is on Pink Friday 2. And that's a reference to, that references, what does she say? She says, stay in your Tory Lanez. Stay in your Tory Lanez, I ain't Iggy. Something like that. Which is a direct reference to the incident again, right? So then, Megan releases Hiss on January 26th. And it begins with this declaration. She wants to get shit off her chest, lay it to rest, before wrapping the lines. These, don't, these hoes don't be mad at Megan. These hoes mad at Megan's law. I don't really know what the problem is, but I guarantee y'all don't want me to start. Megan's law refers to the US federal law that enforces that information regarding registered sex offenders is available to the public. People took this as a dig at Nikki's husband, Kenneth Petty, who's a registered sex offender after pleading guilty to attempted rape by force or fear at age 16. This is something that Nikki consistently is trying to make go away, talk down, like is not very receptive to any conversations about it. Her brother is also, I think, serving a sentence for sex crimes. Megan releases his, Nikki goes absolutely full throttle, goes into this tirade on social media and previews this diss track called Bigfoot. That is a diss track to Megan, obviously. The lyrics are, bad bitch, she likes six foot, I call her Bigfoot, the bitch fell off, I said get up on your good foot. She's teasing this all week and saying, just going like crazy on social media, talking about Megan's mother, Holly Thomas, died in 2019 of a brain tumour. Nikki's going on on social media saying, you better go conjure up your mother and apologise that's disgusting. We're seeing reports in TMZ that the cemetery where Megan's mother is buried is having to increase security protocols because fans are turning up. Absolutely just not. There have been other rumours then from like the Barb side that Megan the Stallion's fandom, the hotties, rang and got uh, Nikki's house swatted when she was there with the baby. I mean, it's not good. You're seeing... Social media fans, I don't know if you know Bella Delgado, like a a bit a reasonably big TikToker, came out and eviscerated Nikki in a video, absolutely tore the head off her. And then Bella was promptly doxxed, like had family member had shit sent to family members, addresses leaked, had to come off TikTok for a while. Like it's gotten because there's a lot of talk around like rap beef, and this is, you know, this is rap beef. There's no uh, no holds barred, whatever, you can say whatever you want. Megan started it, Nikki started it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it's just getting to a point where, like, this isn't like a, my favourite rap beef, for anyone that wants to know, Drake and Pusha T, incredible, where Pusha T reveals the fact that Drake is a child and has never publicly revealed it. Iconic. That is absolutely iconic. That was iconic. This, this is rooted in a situation that, is a situation of domestic violence, fundamentally. You know what I mean? Like, this was all started over comments around an act of violence that was perpetrated against a woman by a man. And I'm like, that's not funny. That's not funny. This doesn't make this fun as a result. This makes it so hard for the women to come forward, other women to look for support. It brings you back to during the trial when the trial was ongoing and Megan was having these awful you know, just things levelled against her in terms of online abuse. I don't know. I don't think it's fun. I need it to stop. I don't think it's funny. To quote Nikki herself, I never found you entertaining. I just, it's really sad. It's really, 
really, really sad. I don't think this is the end of this. Nikki seems to be absolutely on one. Megan hasn't really responded at all. He seems to be doing really well, which begs the question then, could this be a setup? Meg's music has kind of not succeeded in the way that the last few, because she's been dropped from her label and the last few releases kind of haven't done, I think, what people thought they would, especially off the back of, you know, the Savage song and other songs like that. She hasn't been commercially doing as well as I think people assumed. Now you have the song Hiss and it's doing really, really well. Like it's going to debut well in the Billboard Hot 100. So people are like, is it a setup? Personally, I don't think so. I don't think Nikki would do something like this. I know someone was questioning me in my DM saying, oh, she'd do it for a check. I don't know. I think this is, this hasn't, if she's doing it for a check, it's kind of, I don't know. Because the response to the, dis, the Bigfoot diss track hasn't been that good. And I don't know if Nikki would like want to have her reputation under scrutiny like that. Though I will say, with the company she's keeping and everything that's going on, does she care about her reputation? I'm not really sure, girls. I'm not really sure. Oh, anyway, what do you think? Let me know. Hello, flopculture, gmail.com. We are on social media, at flopculture underscore pod. That's Instagram and TikTok. Please come up to the TikTok because the men have found the True Detective video and let me tell you, I could do with some help. I could do with some help. Please rate the show five stars wherever you are listening to podcasts. I would really, really, really appreciate that. If you leave a five-star review and a nickname on Apple Podcasts, I will recommend a personalised bop or flop to you. And won't that be very good? That would be very good. We're on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash flop culture. If you'd like more content, ad-free content, all that good stuff, you'll occasionally get video episodes. Let me shout out a recent patron. Hello, Alice. Shout out, Alice. Thank you for being a patron. I really appreciate it. If you prefer to watch the episode, some of the, avail- some of the episodes are available to watch on YouTube, including this one, if you'd like to watch it. This has been Flop Culture. I'm very excited for next week and to get back chatting to guests. But thank you so much for listening to me this week. I do really appreciate it. Editing, as always, by Adam Shannon. See you next time. Bye. Bye.